0: All right, Ben, question one is always the, the easiest, but it's also the longest. And it's always how did you fall into franchising, which I assume is going to be an interesting story because I can look at your your LinkedIn profile and see, mm-hmm. see a story here that I, I assume, but I want to know, how did you accidentally fall into franchising?
1: Well, I mean, I think family business is always fun. And that's where uh, some of the storytelling starts. Um, so I, myself, I was about 10 years old when I first started working, uh, at Osmos and yeah, family business, dad started up a business, wasn't doing well for a very, very long time. Uh, almost shut it down a few times over and essentially the whole family was involved. It was mainly the family that I was working. Um, and then a few, few team members that we hired as time went on, but, uh, started getting busier. Words started spreading about the food, uh, shawarma at that time, this was about 20 years ago. So shawarma at that time was not popular whatsoever. And nobody knew about it. You know, now fast forward 20 years is becoming one of the most popular categories of cuisine, which is uh, awesome to see. But yeah, we, we started with one as a family business. And then we opened up a second, we opened up a third. So we had three of the family. And then Customers started harassing us. Why can't you guys open up in this city? Why can't you open up here? Why do I have to drive 45 minutes all the time to come eat here? And at that that point, we started realizing maybe it's not a bad idea to start franchising. So it was about really 2015 that we started franchising. So I definitely never uh, anticipated this lifestyle of getting into franchising myself. Uh, But I guess the, the product worked out and we had to figure out as we went along, okay, that's okay. We'll sell one franchise to a family friend We'll go from there. If that goes well, you know, okay. And one of our regular customers that has been coming here for five, six years. He also, you know, a great guy. Okay. Let's give him a franchise. Let's see how he does. And you know, fast forward another six, seven years after that, where we're sitting at 160 restaurants now.
0: All right. So looking at your resume, just cause I'm curious and it's on mm-hmm. there. January of 2017, you leave the family business and then you come back. Pretty much. What's what's that story?
1: Uh, You know what? Like I was with the family business always, and still was, even in the time on my LinkedIn that said it uh, that I wasn't, still was. Um, But at that time, obviously doing a few different things, wanted to do um, my own thing. Was working downtown a little bit. Was finishing up my MBA um as well so decided to go ahead and do my mba in international business uh, and entrepreneurship and uh, you know knew that that was something that was going to benefit the family business long term as well so i did that um came back got a job downtown and yeah essentially that didn't last long at all about a year until it started being like hey ben it's time for you to come back we really need to consider franchising and growing and I always knew it was my fate, but I uh, definitely didn't think it would come as soon as it did. And, you know, definitely happy we did. Got into it, got right into franchising and uh, haven't turned back ever
0: since. So when you, you took that break, were you guys at the seven units or did you were you starting to get the fuel on franchising when you when you took your your short hiatus?
1: Yeah, started started to get the feel on franchising for sure. I mean, it it all happened pretty quick, but ultimately, started dripping in let's say one franchisee within a year maybe two franchisees the next year um we were always at a point where we had a really high demand but we were just like okay we don't know how to do this yeah we we don't have a training team we don't have a district management team um but you know what let's put in the effort let's drive around so i became essentially our uh, first ever district manager um You know, my sister is very much involved in the business. Yeah, it was just literally the entire family that was pitching in in different areas. But then uh, I'd say about six years ago when I came back on board, that was when we really said, okay, you know what? Let's start viewing this as a company for the very first time. And let's let's start looking how we can grow. Let's start setting forth some actual projections um let's let's, talk, let's start talking about how many restaurants we want to open up every year and what type of sales we want to do so it was very 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 mom and pop and still almost has that mom and pop feel today up until then
0: all right so things have obviously grown nicely where the bulk of the locations are they in canada
1: The majority of the locations are. Uh, We just opened up our very first U.S. location in Miami uh, last year, actually. So it's been about 14 months now since we opened up. Um, So we opened up our first location in uh, Miami and then it's been doing well, had an amazing, amazing response for the community. It's been growing. And for us, we wanted to open it up corporately to get that proof of concept. So we have uh, an operations manager over there. So he's spending a lot of time over there. He's actually living there locally. So his goal was actually to be a franchisee. He said, I want to go open up the first in the U.S. Um, And we essentially said, you know what? There's a lot of trial and error when it comes to opening up your first few in the U.S. So we'll do it corporately. You manage it. And that way you can grow that way where you can essentially become kind of the whole operations manager for the for the area. Uh, And now that's exactly what's happening. So he's opening up two more there. We got our proof of concept. Year one went great. Um, honestly, better than expected. Uh, and a lot of people over there just love the food. There's definitely a big demand for it. Um, so open up two more in Miami and we got one open in Buffalo as well in Buffalo, New York, um, which opened up about three weeks ago. Just tremendous response uh, from opening day. So uh, we got a franchisee there already looking at another one. So yeah, I think it's going to start happening fairly quick, but we definitely want to make sure we take our time and uh, you know respect the market, do our research, make the adjustments wherever necessary.
0: I mean, you're a smart guy. You get your MBA. You you understand how business works, and you got it in international business uh, as well. It's it's fascinated me if I look at Canadian franchises and US can uh, US franchises going into Canada, for whatever reason, like 106 units. I mean, that's that's a big operation. And mm-hmm. if you go into the states, whether it's a Naf Naf or uh, Kava, which has had tremendous growth, that is. It has similarities in 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 menu, so that like the flavor palette of Americans is obviously ripe for this. Why why do you think it's a little bit slower growth in the United States? Is it, is it just a Canadian stigma, or is it is there something else as you see it?
1: No, you know what I, I I talk about this all the time. um I was really the one that had to knock on landlords' doors, and I had to do the whole pitch deck for Osmos and Shawarma and. I felt like there was a very negative stigma about these Middle Eastern style cuisines that it would be very run down. They wouldn't invest in money in having good renovations, good exterior interior design. Customer service would be poor, um, concerned about the quality of the cuisine. So there's lots of stigmas around that. And even when you think to, you know, you mentioned a few there, but there's lots of brands out there that do a really good job locally. But when it comes time to franchising, that's where you really lose touch of the quality. Yeah. And Middle Eastern cuisine, it hasn't been franchisable yet, right? When you think about it, burgers and pizza and subs, they've been in franchising for over 100 years, yeah. quite literally. Whereas when you look at Middle Eastern cuisine, um, it's something that needs a lot of attention, a lot of human handling as well. So I think the biggest reason why there hasn't been a lot of brands to surpass that 100 restaurant mark within Middle Eastern is because they haven't found the way to keep their quality being as consistent as possible while asking less of their franchisees and that's that's really where we found our niches we found a way to get it to a point where franchisees we want their main focus to be on you know we do all the marination all the packaging the slicing etc we ask the franchisees to do two things to essentially cook the product and to make sure the customer has a great experience so we found a way to get that one restaurant that we had that was doing huge volumes way back when to 160 restaurants, we found a way to keep the consistency as we go along and to maintain the quality as well as we keep going. So I think that's probably the biggest reason why middle Eastern brands struggle to scale
0: out of the 160, how many are franchised? How many are corporate? Uh,
1: 152 franchised eight are corporate.
0: Okay. So, I mean, that's, that's heavy franchise franchise and how many of, of the franchise ones, are those multi-unit operators um
1: about 90 percent are multi-unit operators so most of our franchisees everybody started with one very very happy made great money open up their second open up their third we have some groups now up to 15 16 many groups in around five six so right. honestly to me that's that's what I say if you want to look at I tell any friends of mine even if they're looking to get into franchising the question you should be asked is asking is how many of your franchisees are opening up more and more franchises, right?
0: Because
1: if you're happy, not because you signed a twenty restaurant deal, right? The real reason is you're happy, you're making good money, you're thinking I can manage this, I can scale in this, and I can do a good job of this. So, you know, you're going to keep reinvesting in that brand and opening up more of that same concept. And essentially, you know, that's that's how you really know how how a franchise how a franchise is truly performing.
0: I I couldn't agree more. Uh, franchisees sell fran- franchisees sell franchises. And the especially those that, that are saying we know the secret and you don't because look on your on your website you're not going into earnings claims so you're not selling based on the dollar amount but i take that insight i, I mean if if i if i owned your your website or i owned your company i would be putting that story on there that our franchise are either going from one to 15 or one to five and so they know the best kept secret in this business talk with them because the faster you can get an operator talking with them, they, they, know, they know how to scale this business. And I, I think that's a huge opportunity. And I, I do think, I would imagine it's more of an awareness thing than, than anything in the States. Smart to be in, in Miami. Obviously there's a ton of traffic that can come through there. Now you're getting proof of concept way, like you went, you went super, super south to figure it out. I think there's huge value in that um, from a structural standpoint.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd say one of the biggest things for us is, uh, yeah, honestly, we. This is this sounds uh, this is tough mm-hmm. to talk about, but we haven't really had to work very hard for franchising. Like you've said, there is a few U.S. players that are growing now and they're scaling, and we haven't really had to advertise for looking for franchisees in a long time. To be honest with you, um, I mean, last year we were blessed. We had over seventeen hundred franchise applications last year, which is insane it's uh it's it's really insane considering we're growing with our same franchisees so we are very much running that multi-unit franchise model where we're helping our franchisees think about three four restaurants um right from day one we're not actually locking it into an agreement and that's one of the biggest thing for us don't care to sign off on a deal that pushes a franchisee to open x amount in this period of time that's not the how we operate uh however we do look at franchisees and talking to them from day one and seeing, do they have the appetite to get to three or four restaurants and, okay, let's talk about an action plan. Let's open up your first one. Let's make sure you absolutely kill it and figure out how it is. We can get your second. And if that works out, we'll talk about your third and, and forward and onward.
0: What's, what's the cost to get in.
1: So all in for one restaurant for us, it's about, I'd say in between 450 to 550,000 all in.
0: And are you making an earnings claim?
1: Uh, No, we're not making an actual claim because at the end of the day, there's different markets. However, our numbers speak for themselves. And one thing we do provide our franchisees, especially new franchisees coming on board, sorry, is the right to speak to any of our franchisees. We'll let them know, hey, any franchisee in any market, you let us know. We'll connect, you know, we'll connect you two. you guys can chat. You can talk numbers. You can talk whatever you like. And, you know, sometimes our other franchisees that are existing, they call and they say, hey, what do I tell them? So am I just supposed to say they're good? It's like, no, tell it, answer their questions whatever their questions are, you know, if they're, uh, you know, obviously you're in the system for a reason, you're growing for a reason and you're opening up more for a reason. So just talk to them about uh, whatever they have questions about. And, you know, I'm sure they'll have some concerns, they'll ask some positives, they'll ask some negatives, but ultimately we, we stand by, you know, the franchisees we have on board and we know why it is they're growing the way they are i think you know our numbers are are great but we just don't advertise everything like that we try to keep things a little bit humble as we are the largest in the space for middle eastern cuisine so it's like we have a lot of brands not as much so in the us yet but a lot of brands here in canada that are looking at us and doing whatever we do they price increase when we price increase they introduce the menus the menu items that we introduce so yeah it's uh it's something we got to keep a little bit closer to home
0: is without without getting into the numbers is miami pacing at a similar rate that a canadian location would
1: it's it's closing in on it yeah so year one we had a really let's say honestly still a great it's considering the first and only one in the us we had great numbers in the first quarter but obviously nowhere near the average in Canada. But now we just passed the year mark and the sales for the past two months are now starting to pace in and starting to get a little bit closer towards the average. And for us, the average here in Canada, no problem saying, we're going to be breaking 1.2 million, uh, this year per unit. And that's non-drive through 13, 1400 square foot units. So really happy with the sales that we're doing out of the square footage we are.
0: Well, look, look, when you're looking at a restaurant investment, if you could get to two to one, uh ratio of investment to sales then you're in good shape you're pacing close close close-ish to one to three uh in canada and in the united states i mean you you say the brand uh there's not gonna be a built-in brand awareness like that's that's obviously the benefit of the buck 60 in in canada is people know what osmos is Mm -hmm. in the united states you're gonna have to almost spend more on on marketing so if, if it were me and i'm setting an expectation of the franchise buyer I'm jacking up the cost of marketing or the grand opening for I, I like to look at a, what what is the first year of grand opening as, as a 12 12 month run. And if you do that, then they might have to spend a little bit more to build awareness, but you're confident because you know what the customers say about the product, that once you try it, you're going to be hooked. And then as long as you're hooked, then we can keep on building on those sales, which seems to be the story that's happening in in Miami. You get a few of those going, Mm -hmm. then franchising is quite, quite simplistic in the States, too.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's bang on. And uh, if you're looking for a job, uh, you let me know because we, we, you seem like the right guy to be selling franchises. No, that's yeah. that's exactly uh, that's exactly what we tell our franchisees. And one thing I like to talk about, like, the biggest difference between Osmo's and a lot of other franchises is Osmo is my last name. That's that's our family name. That's what built all of this. And it's something we, what we hold very close to home. So uh, one thing we actually do with franchisees as well is if you open up in a new market, um, we ask franchisees to put forward a certain marketing fund um, that we solely use for that restaurant. But what we also do is we actually match that fund in new markets. So our head office will put in that same amount that the franchisee puts in to well market that restaurant in the new territory region, whatever the case is, because again, it's, it's our name and we're not going to put a franchisee in a position to go in there and say, it's up to you to let people know our name. No, it's like, we want to make sure we're going to be the reason as well. And we're going to be working with you side by side to create that market awareness.
0: Ben, I mean, that that statement is huge. I mean, for what it's worth, and, and you know this, like, you didn't have to work hard to sell in, in Canada, in America, or in the United States, you're going to have to, um, you're going to have to build awareness that this opportunity exists. Mm-hmm. The magic of what you just said, not only is it my last name that we invest alongside you, but literally, you're putting your own capital in to build up that awareness on, uh, alongside the franchise owner is something many franchisors don't do. And so if you came out of the gates and put that as part of your messaging that that is one two the fact like again like the growth of your franchisees that should go on on your website and three the fact that your family is all involved in this like it's it's your blood sweat and tears Mm -hmm. that i'm i buy from people i don't buy from brand and so if you put those three components together on the site now when traffic's coming there you'll start seeing a a higher conversion of traffic because they're going to understand what the opportunity is, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Again, this is the reason why I was saying we haven't really had to work hard for franchisees because what I'm realizing now more than ever, we need to update a lot of our franchising material. We don't do a good enough job telling people the story about the brand and why franchising with the brand is going to be something that's helpful. Um, Even testimonials that we have existing franchisees, you know, one of, my favorite is a franchisee that worked in our first ever restaurant uh, when he first immigrated to Canada from Egypt. He worked in our first ever restaurant in Streetsville. He got a job finally in his field in accounting, saved up money for two years, came back, opened up a restaurant. Now he's got nine uh, with us. And it's like we don't have any of these testimonials. We don't have any of these stories. We haven't done a good job through our website or through actually advertising the idea of franchising with our brand. Uh, so those are three really good calls, Nick. I think it's something we definitely need to jump on
0: all right ben there's a there's a ghost out there whether they're in canada or they're in in uh us uh they've listened to this conversation so far what else do you want them to know to push them over the edge and make them reach out in terms of franchising interest yeah the business opportunity
1: i would just say this is you know playing off of that last point in terms of it being a family name and matching the marketing fund Um, I met with every franchisor on on almost both sides of the border that I could that failed in the other country. Uh, And I picked their brains and asked them, why do you think it didn't perform or what didn't work out? And nine times out of ten, a lot of times the franchisor said we picked the wrong franchisee or the franchisee wasn't willing to make the appropriate investment to market the brand. Um, And with all due respect, the way I respond to that is saying that's your brand franchisee bought one location, but it's your brand. And we are going to be the reasons why we do succeed in the markets we choose to enter. We're going to do the research. We're going to pick the right real estate and we're going to make sure we stand there right with our franchisee, make sure they're aware of everything that's going on and why it is the restaurants performing the way it is. Um, because at the end of the day, like I said, it's, it's, it's a family business and we treat our franchisees very much like family. They would tell you the same thing. So we're going to be there to make sure they succeed no matter what.
0: I want to, I want to call that out because, I think it's, it's super important. There are, there are brands, and, and it doesn't have to necessarily be Canada versus U.S. It could be, I've opened up my business, I've grown it in Wisconsin, I'm going to go open up one in Dallas, Texas. And the reality is the only way Dallas, Texas is going to know about a Wisconsin brand is if the people somehow traveled to Wisconsin, went to university in Wisconsin, and had some affinity for this brand. Other than that, the brand, it doesn't matter what the brand is, it starts with zero awareness. Mm -hmm. And so I I think through like even the Tim Hortons coming south of the border, Tim Hortons probably took the approach of, well, it's our franchisees. They're going to have to do this, which I understand the mindset of it, but that's not a partnership. That's more so using someone else's capital to try to grow your business. And the reality is, it goes all the way back to the start of this conversation, is that brands brands don't sell brands, franchisees do. And your franchisees constantly investing, reinvesting in the business and having the secret shows that there's viability here. Yes, a a, a Tim Hortons could have that in Canada because there's such a built-in affinity. But if Tim Hortons opens up in Nashville, there's going to be some people who know it, but there's no affinity yet. And what you're saying is, hey, we got got your back, franchisee. When we go into new market, we got to lift up the brand. That's ours. You're buying a license to use it, but that's our brand. And I I think that's awesome that you're putting that front and center again. and, And the second you start telling that story in a bigger way, uh, buyers that's going to totally resonate with the, with the buyer. Uh, that's a, that's a really big statement. So thank, thank, thank you for sharing that.
1: No, definitely. And yeah, all franchise, all franchise inquiries that come in through our website. Um, I'm personally handling all of them. So I actually head up all of our real estate here in Canada. I just hired somebody to head up real estate here. I want to focus on finding the best, best franchisees in the U S the first, to me, I I very much see it as those first 10 partners are going to be so integral to our growth in the U S because, I'm going to work with them myself and make sure that they're going to be in a position where they not just succeed when they enter the markets they're looking to open into but we also have a plan to grow because for us really it is it is those first let's say 10 franchisees with us that are the ones that are all at like 12 13 14 restaurants with us now so uh, i want to spend a lot of time in the us myself I'm a U.S. citizen. I spend uh, as much time as possible there because I've always planned on bringing, uh, bringing the brand to the U.S. at some point in time. And last year that dream became a reality. So I'm looking forward to finding some amazing franchise partners over there.
0: You're looking at it completely the right way. I look forward to seeing where this story goes. I, I have a feeling you have the right tools to to do some pretty cool things. And look, even even if you didn't, you already have an awesome brand that's already had tremendous success and your family has been connected in, as a part of business for a long time. So uh, kudos to you, Ben. Looking forward to seeing where the story goes. Thanks for sharing yours. Uh, for Ben, I'm Nick. This was another episode of Meet the Zore.